Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Or, or who can you trust? Let me show you two quotes. Lack of trust is, is a problem in society, causing friction in personal relationships, careers, politics, and more. The, the, the person who said that wrote a book a few years ago called The Speed of Trust, subtitled The One Thing That Changes Everything. Does trust change everything? Another quote, trust is a fundamental foundation of human relationships. Trust enriches and strengthens the relationships people can have, while lack of trust greatly reduces and limits their interactions. This is true of all kinds of human relationships. So who do you trust? Who can you trust? Well, I suppose at one level, the answer is simple. We trust trustworthy people. But it seems, according to some, that those kind of people or kinds of people are increasingly hard to find these days. People who, and this is a, this is a core aspect of, of trustworthiness, people who are true to their word, who mean what they say and say what they mean. People whose yes is yes and no is no. Those kind of people make a profound difference. And do you know why? Because they're different. Because they're different. And at the end of the day, and I, and I doubt if anyone would argue this with us, but trust is one of the key values that makes community, that makes society work. Makes it function effectively. If you have a Bible, please uh, turn with me to Matthew 5. Verse 33, it's page 969 in the Pew Bibles. As Gordon said at the start, we're kind of journeying through this, this series. We're now well into it on the Sermon on the Mount. A world-changing speech delivered by the greatest world changer who ever lived who calls us to be a world-changing community. That's the reason for doing this series. And just after his baptism and 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus began preaching and proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was near, that it was touching down, that God's rule and reign was arriving. And then in his sermon or these collection of sermons that we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus goes on to explain how this new community of the king, the called, the blessed, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, Jesus goes on to explain how this new community of the king are to live in light of its arriving. He explains that our lives are to be radically transformed from where, and, and this we've been looking at this, transformed not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Because the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And so at, certain, at a certain point in this sermon, really from about verse 21 of Matthew 5, Jesus begins speaking into vital heart issues. And in the past couple of weeks, we, we've explored and looked at two of those heart issues, anger and lust. 
This morning, we're going to look at what Jesus says about truthfulness and the importance of our word and what we, what we say. We're actually going to think for a while anyway about the need to be trustworthy. In fact, so trustworthy that, that making promises are unnecessary. So trustworthy that making promises are unnecessary. Now, not only are, are kind of each of these critical discipleship issues that impact and influence our individual lives, anger, lust, truthfulness, but they also profoundly affect true community. Think about this. Whenever there is unresolved anger in a community, whenever there is uncontrolled lust, whenever there is a lack of trust, whenever there's a lack of truth-telling, Relationships amongst people are going to be placed under severe strain. In fact, communities, societies are going to implode. Let's read verse 33 and the first half of 34. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep your oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Pause there for a moment. You, those of you who've been following the series may, may kind of think, hang on a minute. The way Jesus speaks in relation to this subject is a little different from the way he's spoken to date. With the first two issues, with anger and lust, Jesus took what had been said. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. And what Jesus actually did was then he took it deeper. He took it deeper. He took it further. But I say anyone who is angry or anyone who looks at someone with lustful intent, he takes it deeper. But here with this issue, Jesus appears to completely do away with what's been said. He seems to be going right against Moses. You have heard it said, says Jesus, do not break your oath. You have heard it said, keep your oaths. But I say, don't take an oath at all. Don't swear at all. And so rather than redefining, Jesus is apparently discarding altogether. An oath was a, was a solemn promise someone made to, to actually indicate, listen, I'm telling the truth here. Read the Old Testament and you'll come across references to oaths time and time again. There's over 200 of them. And the law talked about the significance of making an oath. Here's one example, Numbers 30, verse 2. A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. Now, the, the problem was, or part of the problem was, that, that oaths had become abused. The Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law, they, they were often looking for loopholes in certain issues. And this is definitely one of those issues. That they, they, wanted to, they wanted to kind of detect a way out. They wanted to find ways of, of making it less serious if you didn't keep your word. As someone has said, they kind of came up with all sorts of mental acrobatics to insulate themselves from the accountability of God. And so they got to work on this Old Testament teaching of, of making oaths and keeping oaths. And in ancient time, there was a commentary called the Mishnah, which included a whole section on oaths. 
including which ones were binding and which ones were not binding. Now, you would have thought, like, an oath is an oath. But no, not after it had been kind of twisted and reworked. And so, for example, and this is how crazy it got, one rabbi said, listen, see if you swear by Jerusalem, well, then it's non-binding. But if you swear towards Jerusalem, it's binding. But the really big deal related to the use of God's name. Bring God's name into it when you're making an oath or swearing. Mention the Lord or Yahweh. Everything changes. Still happens today in a modern context. And so, for example, you'll often hear people saying, I swear to God I'll do it. Or as God is my witness, I'll do it. The legalists, the Pharisees, and certain teachers of the law, well, they would be all over that and say, well, since that person has now used God's name, that means that oath, that thing they have promised to do, it's absolutely binding. No way around it. And so they came up with different ways or different categories for swearing and making oaths that avoided using God's name. And Jesus came along as he often does, he just blows it out of the water. And he challenges them at a heart level about their ducking and diving, their rules and their regulations. And he effectively says, do you know something? You have all these special ways to swear and make oaths whenever the bottom line is this. You can't be trusted. Your word is no longer reliable. And so let's reduce the noise, let's clear away the clutter, let's cut to the heart of this. Look at verses 34 to 37. Do not swear at all, says Jesus, by either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. See, according to, according to Jesus, whether you use God's name or not is a complete irrelevance. Completely irrelevant. Jesus actually makes the point, listen, the whole world is God's. And therefore, you cannot somehow eliminate him from any of it. So, so don't swear by heaven. That's God's throne. Don't swear by earth. That, that is his footstool. That is his creation. Don't swear by Jerusalem. That's his holy city. And while we're at it, don't swear by your head because God's even in control of your hair color or certainly your natural hair color. <laughs> Let's not go there. See, as far as Jesus is concerned, the exact wording of a promise or an oath, listen, that's not the issue. It's not the issue. Your word should be your word, irrespective of how you phrase it. And so Jesus says, listen, don't don't swear at all. Don't swear at all. You just need to say yes or no. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And look again at that last sentence in this little section. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. That's a strong statement. 
Anything more than this comes from the evil one who Jesus later would describe as a liar or the father of lies. Here's the point. This new transformational community that Jesus is calling to follow him consists of people who should not and do not need to resort to swearing. They should be the kind of people whose word is trustworthy, so trustworthy, in fact, that promises are unnecessary. We don't need to say things like, I swear in the Bible, or I swear in my mother's grave. Or to tell you the truth, I mean, what have we been doing up to now? They should be known as people of integrity whose word is their word. Let your every word be simple, straightforward, and honest. Our word should be our bond. And as for things like crossing your fingers behind your back, let's not even go there. You see, where God's rule and reign is arriving, where there is this inside-out righteousness at work, people are trustworthy, people are trustworthy truthful and this needs to be our story as a community this needs to be our reputation out there beyond these walls this needs to be our experience with one another your yes is yes your no is no now just before we we think about this in a a little more detail let me say something about this a slight misunderstanding about this teaching Jesus is not placing a ban on any and all oaths. Jesus himself testified under oath before Pilate. And if we're ever called to give evidence in a court of law, we will be asked to do so under oath, just like Nigella Lawson was asked to do so this week. You see, what Jesus is primarily speaking into here is everyday conversation. And therefore, he stresses the need to be honest and be trustworthy and be truthful all the time, not just when you're ordered to. It should be just the way you are if you're part of this new kingdom, if you're part of this new community of world changers. This is the way you will be. Later on in the New Testament, the the Apostle James, who, who often had a lot or who did have a lot to say about words and the way we use words, He echoed this teaching of Jesus almost word for word. Above all else, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. And then he adds another little clause, a little writer to explain just how serious this is. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. So it is serious. And so as we allow the teaching of Jesus and elsewhere in the New Testament to penetrate our hearts and minds, let me ask you a couple of questions. How trustworthy are you? I mean, that's what it really boils down to, doesn't it? How trustworthy or how reliable is your word? And what do we need to guard against? What, What is it that keeps us from being truthful? Let me offer you two suggestions. The first is selfishness. Whenever we use our words to get our own way, ever do this the message translation of matthew 5 37 is insightful here just say yes and no whenever you manipulate words to get your own way you go wrong do you ever use words work with words 
create and structure phrases in order to get your own way. At the end of the day, that, that's really what the Pharisees and teachers of the law were at. They were manipulating words in order to suit themselves. And Jesus challenges that and he exposes that. And he simply says, no, just let your yes be yes and no be no. Be truthful. Don't be selfish. Be honest. Be real. Be upfront. Manipulating words to get your own way is wrong. And we do that in all kinds of different formats, don't we? Yes, lying is probably the most extreme way we do it. But gossiping, speaking about others behind their backs, derogatory comments, manipulating words to get our own way. Bullying with words. All of those are selfish ways of speaking and are challenged time and time again in God's word, not just here, but subsequently. Speaking the truth in love is essential by those who are the called and the blessed and the salt of the earth and the light of the world. They are the trustworthy ones whose word and whose words are reliable rather than suspect and damaging. Don't manipulate words to get your own way. Secondly, Selfishness keeps us from being truthful. Secondly, insecurity can affect truthfulness. Where rather than be honest about who we are and what we are and what's really going on, we kind of use words to project a certain image, to paint ourselves in a particular light that is less than truthful. Because we want others to see us in a certain way and, and therefore we portray ourselves accordingly. And again, that's what the Pharisees and teachers of the law were at time and time again throughout the New Testament. They wanted people, they wanted others to look at them and to see them through a specific lens. And so, for example, they would stand on street corners and they would pray in selective ways that inflated their own importance and drew attention to themselves. They reworked and they reworded certain laws like this one in order that they could keep them easier and be seen to keep them and so that they would look good and they would get recognized and they would receive attention. And it all lacked integrity and it lacked honesty and Jesus could see right through it, right to the heart of the matter. And what inevitably happens whenever you are less than truthful about how you present and portray yourself is that you're prone to exaggeration. Or you become selective in what you reveal about yourself. You cover up. You hold back. You become economical with the truth. I was, I was kind of trying to, to think of an appropriate and topical example. And it's not a perfect one by any means. But I suppose the, the kind of world of social media is, is an interesting one within this whole area. And particularly how we project ourselves on things like Facebook or Instagram. For those of you who, who use those social networking sites came across this t-shirt online. May your life someday be as awesome as you pretend it is <laughs> on Facebook. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that we should reveal all on Facebook and Instagram. That we should be disarmingly honest and truthful about who we are and how life really is. But I do think it's interesting in a society where image is everything that the words and pictures we often use to project our image and to give others a window into our world is generally airbrushed and exaggerated and inflated and selective. 
As one social commentator has said, we have all become brand managers of self. And how we present ourselves and brand ourselves is fascinating. And I know that almost opens a whole other air for consideration and maybe some of you thinking here, hang on, man, he's veering well off text. But to take us back to something I said earlier, to be trustworthy, we must be truthful. And so I do think we've got to be open and we've got to be honest with ourselves about how we use words in everyday conversation. Don't manipulate words to get your own way and don't use words to cover up your own insecurities. Be truthful from the inside out. So where do we take this? Where do we go from here? Well, from here it starts. It starts with truthfulness before God truthfulness before God. You see, with God, you you can't manipulate or brand self. We can only be and we must be honest. But, But how, how, how can we be honest in the everyday? Two practices and we're done. Two practices. First is confession. See, in personal confession, we're forced and urged to be totally and unreservedly truthful before God. It's one of the reasons why we encourage confession before communion every week at Windsor. Every week, morning or evening. Because here we have the opportunity, the requirement to be honest, to be open. There's no place for pretense in confession or manipulation or exaggeration or blatant lies. With confession, it forces us to be real before God, who searches our hearts, who knows us through and through. Be truthful before God. Practice confession. Secondly, practice praying the Psalms. We looked at this on a Sunday evening series about 18 months ago. You see, with the Psalms, you've got this collection of prayers from the heart. Prayers that give us the opportunity, actually give us the permission and the encouragement to be open and honest and truthful before God. Prayers of lament. Prayers of frustration. Prayers of anger. Prayers of repentance. Prayers of praise. Prayers of thanksgiving. They give us a voice to be honest and truthful before God. Because locked up in many of us are things we want to express, don't know how to express. The Psalms provide the opportunity for us to be truthful before God. And so let me remind you or encourage you, if it's the first time you've maybe come across this as a discipline or a holy habit, pray a psalm every day. I know this is something we, we, we thought about together 18 months ago. Don't know how many of you continue to do this, but pray a psalm every day. Because they foster truthfulness before God. And so, as we reflect on the teaching of Jesus, to say yes and to just say no, let me encourage you to be truthful before God, which in turn leads us to be truthful with one another. And a community that is truthful with one another is trustworthy and is a community that will change this world. I honestly believe that. So back to our opening question. Who do or who can you trust? Well, I hope and pray your answer includes every single person around me this morning. That's who I can trust because they are trustworthy. 
They are men and women of their word. May your yes be yes, your no be no. May your word and your words be genuine and reliable. I want to sing to close. My troubled soul, why so weighed down? Let's stand to sing this great song as we finish.